Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm Carrie. I'm Kathy. I'm Megan. I'm Lisa. And this is Best Friends Sharing Interesting Shit. Hey, ladies. Hey. Hello. Hey, hey Good Happy evening. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. I almost. guess it's not really a happy. I, what do we say? Happy beginning of summer, yes. Oh, yeah, and a thoughtful Memorial Day. Yeah, thoughtful Memorial yes. Day. My my children and husband, not I, went in to our local what do you call it, veteran cemetery and put flags out on the graves with the Boy Scouts. Oh, well, that's nice. That's yeah. very nice. I was walking that... in the graveyard. I was walking in the graveyard near my house in Buffalo. And uh-huh. there was a lady you? there. <laughs> well, I like to walk there. It was also beautiful weather. Graveyards are great to walk in. They're so peaceful. Yeah. yeah. Well, my, my brother in Brooklyn apparently walks and through, there's like graves, like cemeteries. That's what you do in Brooklyn. Yeah. through all the cemeteries, according to my brother. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, what was I doing there? Oh, I was walking. I don't remember why I started telling you guys that. So never mind. I mean, not that was you Memorial Day, maybe somebody who said not flags. Yes, but it wasn't just flags. It was like a whole setup for all of them, like flowers and flags, little cool. bobbleheads. No, I'm just kidding about the bobbleheads. But that's, that's, you know, that's a little too much. <laughs> it's not. It's not reverent enough. So anyway, but yeah, it was, it was neat to see her and I'm sure she, and she saw me and I was like walking around and I'm sure she's like, who is this person walking around in a graveyard? So anyway. Hey. I went down a graveyard in St. Louis recently where I went, I was walking because I was at this retreat and they encouraged you to go walking down this trail to the cemetery. So I did. There were people there that had fought in the Revolutionary War. So from the Revolutionary Whoa. War. Vietnam War at the cemetery, the old cemetery. So I, I didn't even know we had people out there during the this the first war. Well, the, the Revol- well, what war. happened was they fought in the Revolutionary War, like on the East Coast, and then they came out west mm-hmm. to you know go to the crazy Wild West of the time. I love but thinking about Missouri as the Wild West. Normally, <laughs> it was at one point in time. Mm-hmm. So what was your big news, Lisa? Well, this is crazy. So my 16-year-old son, who is very shy and sweet, is going to be gone all summer as a camp counselor at a Boy Scout camp. Oh, cool. That's very cool. That is really cool. I'm very excited for him, but not what I was expecting his first job to be, but I'm very happy. Oh, that's great. I always always looked up to him. I was jealous of people who were camp counselors, but... Me too. Yeah. I was a cool job. Day camp counselor once. It's the center between freshman and sophomore year of college. Mm. My brother time. was a camp counselor for ages. And it was like yeah. we had to like pry him out of that job. You know, he was like trying to figure out how he could take time off from his real job to do it. And it was like, Brendan, you just have to stop. Uh, <laughs> no, he is so excited. And he's so psyched. I mean, the camp is only about an hour and a half away from here. So it's not too far. But it's still for him. It's pretty far for a kid. Going. Yeah. When he well, very cool. college, he thinks about staying within an hour of St. Louis. So, very exciting. That's awesome. 
No, yeah. you don't have to feed him or clean his room or anything. No, Just send him I away. That realization the, the other night, last night we went out to dinner, and I'm like, "This summer's gonna be so much cheaper. We're not gonna have to feed you." Just sixteen-year-old boy gets very expensive to feed. I applied to work at my summer camp, but it was like a super crazy Christian camp. I know we talked about it before, and they had yeah, this question. Sky Ranch, yeah, Sky Ranch, and they and they had this question on there though. Like, basically about, like, what do you think of gay people? Yeah. And I, I could, I was like, I, I knew at that point that I would not be able to answer it the right way, like the way they wanted me to. Cause, I, you know, I was like, I, I I'm fine with it. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I mean, we weren't quite as evolved as we are now, but I was like, I can't imagine like really even caring so much about, you know, who other people have sex with. So, Whatever I wrote on there definitely disqualified me. So anyway, <laughs> but I don't mind. I think it all turned out for the best. It did turn out for yeah. the best. Sounds like it. All right. Well, okay. I, I had a little intro for us today Ooh. since we were doing something different. So, well, first of all, I wanted to kind of give our audience a, a trigger warning. So basically, <laughs> if they're against a gun reform, then this I think this will probably piss them off. So just letting you know now, uh, I'm pretty sure all of us want gun reform in some level. And so our topic is gun violence. After the killings in March in Nashville, I was so upset that I asked you guys to help. I really wanted you guys to help me present kind of a really healthy show on gun violence. So I, I thank you guys for helping me do this. I think Lisa is at first, and then Carrie, and then me. I think that's what it's going to go. And me, are you doing something? Because I don't want to people. I do have a little something to say. Yes. It's <laughs> okay. And me, <laughs> it's just going to be quiet. <laughs> well, you just barge in wherever you feel like you belong. <laughs> anyway, and also, like, the last thing I would just say is, like, I really wish that I could put on the music that, that, the foster foster the people's punk pump up the kicks do you guys know that song yeah yeah so, well um, you would if i could play it for you it's the oh i don't know i can't even say it now because you know how it is when you start thinking about a song you can't sing it but there's a line in there that says you better run 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 faster than my gun and it was written about columbine so it's wow. so anyway i know you guys have heard it so look for it it's busted of people's pumped up kicks. Okay. Does that mean familiar at all? No, but that's okay. So, okay. Lisa, you're right. on deck. So, you know me in history. So I have some notes about the history of the Second Amendment because that seems to be the core argument against any sort of reform whatsoever of gun laws. And... I was frustrated because I really couldn't find anything just based on the history of why it was and how it was written that has to do anything with what our current issues are today. But let me go forward. I want to say that I actually did some research. I looked at Cornell Law School, had a good law review article that I read about this. I went to Wikipedia article and I got some information that cited the law school at UMKC a little information from the good old history channel. So I just want to say that I could do some research on this and just not make it this, you know. Oh, here we go. So I first am going to read the Second Amendment because I think that's important. 
Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it. That's what it's. All right. A short one. Yeah. yeah. It's short. It seems pretty simple about a militia and keeping yeah. arms for a militia. Anyway. Yeah. So the Bill of Rights was written by James Madison. And the, you know, the purpose of the Bill of Rights was during the debate for the passage during the Constitutional Constitution Convention to pass, the, you know, they were debating getting ready to vote in the Constitution and they're going back and forth. And through that, a pledge ended up being made that additional bills would be proposed to add to the Constitution because there are still fears of different things that would happen on different levels. Feel the need to go into all that. So the opponents of ratification quickly seized upon the absence of the Bill of Rights and Federalists, especially James Madison, soon realized that they must offer to add amendments to the Constitution after its ratification. Only by making such a pledge were the Constitution supporters able to achieve ratification in such a closely divided state, such as New York and Virginia. So the Second Amendment traces its roots through with the English Bill of Rights of 1689. It declared subject, sorry, I can talk, hold on, subjects which are Protestants may have arms for their defense suitable to their condition and as allowed by law. And that provision grew out of friction over the English crown's efforts to use loyal militias to control and disarm descendants and enhance the crown's standing army. Among other things, prior to the glorious revolution that the planted King James II and Fairy of William and Mary. So it really had to do with like old English politics and things. So there was a discussion of Protestants in it. So, so the mistrust of standing armies like those employed by the English crown to control the colonies and anti-Federalist concerns, having like a central, you know, there's whole battle when they're with the constitution, which you're having a centralized federal government and then each state having its own, like how much power. So wait, 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 can I have a second? Okay. So we just switched from talking about the English back to the American what the okay that's the american debate so this is so you got to think so these are all the you you know a few years prior to writing the constitution they were british subjects so this is the history yeah. thing okay so okay. now so now they have a mistrust like so they don't want you know so they're going to have they don't want the set the federal government to have too much centralized power like there really was a debate like how much power are they going to have were they going to have a standing army that would sit there and put down the state? It was a huge concern. So there is a debate about provisions in the Constitution give Congress the power to establish and fund an army, as well as to organize armed discipline and call forth the militia in certain circumstances. So the motivation of these have been the recognition of the danger of relying on an inadequately trained soldiers as the primary means of providing for the common defense. So basically, you know, having so having this amendment added would allow for there to always be well-trained people in a militia, in a state militia, to be called up in the defense of the state or the, the federal government. So, you know, the Madison drafted the Bill of Rights where it had the federal army could be kept by check, in check by the militia that having a standing army would then 
be opposed by the militia. He argued that the state's government would be able to re repel the danger of a federal army. And it may be doubted whether a militia, thus circumstance, could ever be conquered by such a proportion of regular troops. So he contrasted the federal government of the United States to the European kingdoms. So he was, so basically the European kingdoms would go out to smaller parts of their country and kind of take over, you know, keep people down and keep them well-behaved kind of thing. So he was trying, you know, there's just this whole battle, again, between the federal, a federal army versus a state militia. So, so, we're so they, were, they were afraid of that the federal government, if they had their own army or whatever, would try to keep them down. No right. Okay. Right. They never felt, if they ever like were protesting about what the government was doing, then the army would just come and put them down. Okay. That was the fear. That was the big fear. So or James Madison produced the initial draft of the Second Amendment, and this first draft stated, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. A well-armed and well-regulated militia being the best security of a free country, but no person religiously scrupulous of bearing arms shall be compelled to render military service in person. So the first committee that got this was House of Representatives, and they considered Madison's formulation. They altered it to the, instead of militia, as composed of the body of the human people. And then they made some other little changes. Now, the debate in the House, which is, you know, they were arguing about people in power and their ability to declare who are religiously scrupulous and prevent them from bearing arms. So they felt like, okay, if you bring religion into this, then you're just kind of bringing this whole other thing about, because, you know, we already, there's another amendment that says there's no, like, set religion in this country. Mm -hmm. Every religion is supposed to be treated equal. So... They didn't want you to all this religion is bad. It's scrupulous, though. I would say, you know, in the current day, when you have all these religious cults, it's a different story. But anyway, don't go into that. So he said, so it's, you know, this, this whole religion thing became an undertone of all these debates, which is kind of funny because now it doesn't even come into play. And so then we go to the second version States, a well-regulated militia composed of the body of the people being the best security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, but no one religiously scrupulous of bearing arms shall be compelled to render military service in person. So. Well, that didn't sound much different. Right. Why did, well, so when did, when did that last part get? Right. So that's the House version. And the House okay. version, as you know, then it goes to the Senate. So then the Senate is discussing it and their version, because I feel like we're just getting into the weeds and some of this. So let me, did they say, fuck that? We don't want the religion shit. shit. Like they just <laughs> were like, come on, let's call this religion stuff. There were all these other changes that were proposed and my computer is not cooperating. And so let me scroll down. So the, the, so the phrase referencing the militia as composed of the body of the people was struck and the descriptor of the militia as the best security of a free state was modified to necessary to the security of a free state. And there are other changes proposed and rejected, including adding limitations on a standing army in time of peace and adding next words, bear arms, you know, for the common defense. 
But it seems pretty clear that even within the exchanges, the the intent is an army, you know, a, a, a fighting force. Yes. Not necessarily or or the need for a fighting force, not necessarily an individual. Right. Correct. Yeah. Everything yeah. I found had to do with discussions of armies and state militias, a federal army versus the state militia, not an individual household having enough. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So, and our new our Supreme Court seemed to forget that clause. Yeah. Well, get into that and admit it. Oh, right. So the final <laughs> language of my final sentence here, my finale, is that the final language of the Second Amendment was agreed to and transmitted to the states in late September of 1789. And then it was ratified. Here we are today. Second Amendment as so. As it is. That's my presentation. Interesting. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for welcome. So, you know, the landscape is, it's changed quite a bit in some ways, in some ways it hasn't. But now we've learned, you know, kind of about the history and, and where we were or what I guess gives us the Second Amendment today. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about the regulations that, that kind of the modern day regulations, what we have, what we don't, what we can't have, what we can't. And and then I'm going to hand it over to Andrea, who's going to talk a little bit about what Kind of activism we can do and some specific suggestions for what can happen here in, in Texas, which is probably one of the least, well, is one of the least regulated gun state or state for guns in the United States. Probably not surprising to any of you. So the world of gun legislation is, or gun regulation is guided by a, about 11 different laws. The first one this is kind of surprising to me, was passed in 1934, which really isn't that long ago. It was called the National Firearms Act. And what it did was taxed the transport and manufacture of a, a variety of firearms, like machine guns, long guns, all sorts of different firearms. Handguns weren't really a thing yet, it, and it didn't address handguns. And that's, that's important to, just to kind of keep in mind. And the legislation was actually spurred on because it, uh, well, if you remember, prohibition was enacted a few years earlier. And so that the spike in gun violence coincided with the ban with prohibition. And so the, the federal government was like, hey, why don't we tax these guns and make a little bit of money off of it? And it also mandated that guns were registered. So that was, you know, pretty broad. And then between 34, 1934 and 19 or 2004, there were only nine other federal laws and, and they basically, they all regulate in some way gun and gun ownership. Yeah. Including in 1994 through 2004, there was the Brady assault ban, assault weapons ban in which all of the terrible assault weapons we see used in these mass shootings were actually banned for 10 years in the United States following the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan, the man who was, I, I, I don't think he was killed. He was paralyzed, though. It was with Reagan's entourage when Reagan the, was, there was an assassination attempt. Brady was paralyzed, and eventually the Brady law, what was called the Brady law, was, was passed. And that ban, that was an assault weapons ban. I, and I don't, I don't know why it, it sunsetted, why there was a provision to sunset it. I, I suspect that's the only way they could to get it passed. But thinking about the political climate now and 
I don't even know. I, I, I just don't think that they could get even like for five years. I don't think they could get an assault weapons ban passed. So, you know, quite a bit has changed. And why do you, he, why do you think it's changed so much? Or do you already have that in the laws? Well, I think one of the, I think it started happening to change in, in early 2000s and in, in the Bush administration years. And then it, in 2004, the laws looking at guns. I mean, basically, there's only three classes of people that cannot own firearms, fugitives, felons, and the mentally ill. But that not just being mentally ill, you have to be involved. You have to have been involuntarily placed in a mental institution. So so just those three class people. That's it. Anybody else has a, a right to own a gun. And so, you know, really, that's not very much re- regulation from the feds. Really just regulated distribution and things like that. And then in 2004, kind of the first pro-gun legislation was passed. And that allowed or exempted gun manufacturers and gun dealers from being sued for negligence arising out of, you know, being, they, I mean, they couldn't get sued if somebody got killed by one of their guns. And that... Well, that's convenient. Yeah, and it's been... You know, unfortunately, since that was passed, that has just kind of stirred. What's the word I'm looking for? It, well, it, it, it has started started this kind of arms race amongst the gun manufacturers because they knew they weren't going to get sued. So they have like all these new things that they're coming up with that may, or may, may not work when you put it on your gun. But who cared? They're not going to get sued. Um, oh, God. So it's just it was just a gimme to the industry. And it's, you know, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be surprised by that. I'm sorry, that was passed in, in 2005. 2004, there was that was that was kind of the first law. 2004 was the first law passed that wasn't a regulation. It was kind of a, like I guess you would call it a, what was a protection of the individual right to carry, and that was law enforcement officers were now grant are now granted immunity and they can carry their service weapon while they're off duty. And so there's legislation towards that. And, you know, that again, looking at the time frame, that kind of makes a lot of sense because it were here, we're coming on the heels of kind of 9 11. And so, and, and the, the law enforcement was probably enjoying like the peak of its popularity. Makes sense that, that this was passed. Or maybe we could say that rights were experiencing their greatest trampling on. That is a very good way of framing the issue. Yeah. Like everybody else's rights. Like yeah. I feel like that could, you know, get to look at that from a couple of different angles. Yeah. 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 It was, it was not since World War II had we been under more restrictions of our rights. And, you know, some of those, well, a lot of these remain today. And, and so one thing that I found out was that. In the gun industry is a $28 billion industry a year. Billion? Billion. Okay. Right. In comparison, and I just picked an industry that I thought something that like a lot of people have. So I did the headphone industry. So in comparison, the headphone industry is $17.5 billion, 17.56. So almost, you know, a little, about $10 billion less than the gun industry. And I haven't done a, a deep dive into the, you know, the numbers or anything like that. But I think it's safe to make the conclusion then that 
more people own guns than headphones. And that is terrifying to me. Isn't it to you? Well, I I think part of it is, I mean, there are more guns. There people that own guns own more than one gun. Mm -hmm. I mean, they own like, well, for example, that Murtaugh guy in South Carolina. I mean, that guy had like an arsenal of guns. Oh, yeah. Hunting yeah. Watch. I mean, it was insane. And then he didn't even really keep track of his guns. It, was, I, 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 it doesn't matter. I mean, a lot of states like Texas being one included, you don't, you just don't have a gun. You're not registered. You don't kill anybody. Oh, you Missouri know, got rid of all that. You didn't have to have any training or anything, you know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, think the, the other thing about comparing it to the headphone industry is I think there's definitely some significant price differentials. Like headphones max out somewhere around the $300, $400 mark and guns oh, can go. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a Guns it's are always shockingly compared. expensive to me. Like I'm always right. astounded by how much they cost. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, maybe I should compare it to the, I don't know, what's another like the Peloton industry or something like that. Yeah. I, like, 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 yeah. I think well, Peloton's it's hard gone to... through a recall. I don't know but if guns ever get recalled. Just yes. to under, well, no, they're exempt. So yeah, just the idea that there are, but there are industries that are bored by the gun yeah, industry. I, I hear you hundred percent. I yeah. think that is probably a uniquely American thing. Well, yeah. So oh, I mean, in Switzerland, now, we could take up the Swedish approach, which is in Switzerland, you actually every, I don't know if it's, it's probably not man any longer. Every adult person is mandated to have a gun because they are a neutral country. So the, the thought being like, at any time, everyone, you know, any country could be like, fuck you, Switzerland, we're invading. Uh, and they don't have an art. So every person, I don't know, a lot of people are supposed to have guns. But the big limiting factor here is that it has to be kept at your local police station. So mm-hmm. I mean, they don't really yeah. have gun violence because you'd have to be like, hmm, okay, I have to go down to the police station, get my gun. And I'm sure you have to say, like, why are you getting this out? And, yeah, so right. I'm, I'm sure if you went down and said, I'm pissed off at my wife, I need to shoot her. Right. He will not give you your gun. Right. So, I mean, if we want to have a quote unquote well regulated militia, you know, that's that's an option. Everybody, you can have a gun, sure, but you got to keep that at the local police station. I can imagine that passing. I like that. I like the Swiss way. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I should point out that, you know, there, there have been some regulations at the federal level just last year. The bipartisan, it's pretty funny. It, it is called the, the Bipartisan Guns Safer Communities Act a stupid name and it expands background <laughs> checks for purchasers that's how you really feel carrie well <laughs> i don't I mean i don't think it's a, a surprise to anybody but it you know it expands the background checks for purchasers under 21 to include and their juvenile records okay mm. so let's think about this that means that people you know i nobody ever had their juvenile records checked and a lot you know a lot of people that's there, there's some bad people under 21 that probably shouldn't have firearms. So I'm glad to know that that's happening. I'm concerned that it wasn't happening before. I, I, have, a, some... I have a little extra information about that that'll be alarming. Oh, that's coming up? Excellent. I was oh, going to yeah. say, juvenile records, I mean, most of those, they're like, they're not public information. So how does that work? Um, I don't know, Lisa. That would be an area that requires more research. But I'm just <laughs> what the bill says. Good uh, question. Good question. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Uh, so it, 
And the, the other two things that it does that, that are important, and again, things that you would think were already illegal, but it is now illegal to purchase a gun or a weapon for someone who is otherwise restricted from carrying one. And as I mentioned before, that's felons, the mental or the admitted, involuntarily admitted mentally ill and fugitives. I would have thought that it was already illegal to buy those and, and give them to someone, but apparently it's not. It is now. Wow. And closes the the quote unquote boyfriend loophole. And this is really kind of I'm sure it was it's an un, unintended consequence, but it, it was really horrible up, up until this loop or they close this loophole. A person convicted convicted of domestic abuse generally is pro- prohibited from owning a gun. But that law, it, it only applied to people who were married to, living with, or had a child, the victim. So a boyfriend, a living boyfriend, wasn't covered. What so the it's fuck? they, yeah, right. So now they have closed that and they, they also may not possess firearms. Now, certainly people will point out that all of these regulations only apply to people who are going to follow the law, people who commit these types of abuses aren't following the law and and that might be true but i mean it's it's something and it gets us you know one step closer and it was bipartisan so i think there and i think there's some evidence of of this that the nra is is losing a little bit of its traction and 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 i'm talking a minuscule amount but they have really you know people have seen these mass shootings and you know as everyone knows that sandy hook couldn't really change the tone Nothing ever will. But I mean, we've just had so many since Sandy Hook mass shootings that I not everybody as is on board with the NRA as as once was. So at the federal level, and I'll I'll hurry this up a little bit. At the federal level, there aren't very many regulations. So it, it falls naturally then state levels. And the federal government, federal Supreme Court has has chimed in a little bit on that and Unfortunately, it, in 2008, they, they took a look at the Second Amendment for the first time, and they first declared that a handgun was, is an arm or arms under the meaning of the Second Amendment, because up until then, it wasn't clear that it didn't only apply to long guns, talking about militias. They didn't have handguns in 1770, whenever it was ratified. So, 1789. Yeah, so didn't, handguns were a thing. So interestingly, they, they say they take an originalist approach to interpreting the Second Amendment, which means that they think about how the founding fathers intended this law to be applied. And yet they also declare that a handgun is an arm underneath the, in the meaning of the statute when those didn't even exist. So it's a little duplicitous to, to suggest that they, they're just trying to keep the original intent of the law intact. But right. if most, everybody wants to own a musket, I'm all for it. Go for it. But right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, if it takes like 20 seconds to load one shot, all right, right. fine. So That's what I, I hate about the originalist thing. I'm like, yeah, they didn't have... The, you know, they didn't have these guns that we have back then. Right. Like right. what they were regulating is not what we have now. And normally when you do, when you're talking about regulations, kind of the overarching justification you can have for re- regulation is public safety. 
a lot of laws get passed based on public safety. Think about vaccination laws, all this. Those are all public safety laws, drinking water laws. But the Supreme Court in 2010, in a decision that I don't have listed, it's like Carthur's something. I don't know. So it's the end. Anyways, with that decision, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> something about MacArthur in 2010. Yeah, I know. But where was I before that? Okay. You're talking about regulations and safety. Yeah, yeah. So regular, it'll come back to me. We're, we're, we're getting there. And all of them together. <laughs> this is a real, this is a real conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. So the, yeah, all right. So that, that, that other, the Supreme Court case said, also said that the right, they interpreted the right to keep and bear arms unconnected from service and militia. So it's like they just kind of deleted that service and militia part. Yes. They decided that the right to keep and bear arms was an individual right, which, you know, that's the first time that the court had ever recognized an individual right there. Up until that point, it was kind of assumed that the court would recognize like this collective right. But at any rate, and of course, the implication of that is individual rights are much harder to regulate. So, or much, yeah, they're much more easily considered unconstitutional. So, so that was, you know, that was kind of a blow. And they also ruled that self-defense was a, it, that kind of took the place of a militia. You know, like they, they made the comparison that self-defense within the home it is kind of like having a militia, which I don't think, again, that's very accurate, but, but that's the way it goes. So the District of Columbia's ban on handguns was kicked out. And the other thing the court struck down were any restrictions that rifles, shotguns, blah, 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 be kept unloaded and disassembled. Many states had that restriction. And trigger locks are also unconstitutional. A requirement of trigger lock, which keep in mind, is just a lock on your gun. But that uh, is ridiculous. So- you know how many kids like find? I mean, how many shootings are just some kid finding a gun and yeah. shooting someone on accident? If there was a lock on the gun, that wouldn't happen, right? And and the locks now are are so sophisticated that you can just use your handprint. I mean, they're 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 really effective. And I say, uh, if I can use my finger to open my iPhone. Yeah, like, yeah, the technology is amazing. Like the, like the technology is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like biometrics yeah. are everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but the, yeah, the idea that one of the arguments is, wow, that's stupid to have a lock because what if I need it really quickly? I wouldn't be able to get it out of a lock. But, you know, these biometric things are just like, boom, you're open. So it, it's a stupid, stupid thing. And what I had forgotten about before, but now remember is that in the, in this, Make whatever case uh, in 2010, the court ruled that public safety was no longer a justification for gun regulation laws, and that was pretty much the gun, that the justification for all gun regulation. That makes no laws. sense. So basically, if you want to write a gun regulation law any longer, pretty much has to depend on commerce. You know, so it's something affecting commerce. I mean, you can possibly. Oh, so, oh, so it's like an interstate commerce thing? Perhaps, perhaps. But public safety, That's at any bullshit. rate, is no longer a justification. Of course. Bullshit. So, yeah. And why would you do that? 
So as you can imagine, they're, you know, the gun, guns are regulated differently in, in every state. California is the most regulated. Alaska is the least regulated, but that's not very surprising. I, I mean, I lived in Alaska and like if I ever had thought about having a gun, it would have been in Alaska and that wouldn't be a handgun. I want like a big, long, I can kill a bear gun. So I, and that's the only reason I would say is because like it, there's a, a real risk that you could run into a, a big animal that wants to harm you. And then also the native Alaskan tribes, many, many of them are subsistence livers. So they hunt, they eat. But so it, it makes a certain amount of sense that there, there's not very many regulations. But, you know, keep in mind that these assault, these mass shootings aren't occurring because of rifles. So, but next up would be Arizona. They, they have, they are the most regulated state. I thought it was going to be Texas, but really? I'm wrong. And I can't, did I get put it somewhere? Texas really only has like one regulation on guns. And I, I'm going to turn it over to Andre here in a second. He's going to talk a little bit more about Texas, but. Uh, well, I didn't write any regulations. So if you, if you, if you have something there, then. Well, so, you know, in, in Texas, they, like I said, there's almost no regulations there. There's no permit needed. There's no registration needed. There's no restriction on the ma- a limit of a magazine. There's no license needed. There's no permit needed for concealed carry. Once you're 21, it is it becomes a quote unquote shall issue state, which means that that the state they they have to issue over 21. Unlike many states, which it's may issue, which allows for you know a little bit more regulation. But it's a, a, a shall issue state. Now, it's a May issue for 18 to 21. But, you know, I, I don't know. That's that's pretty much cold comfort. It's it, it, it's certainly cold comfort that an 18 year old can, can buy a gun. And and of course, there, there are no background checks. So it is. I leave you with that. Just saying that the, the future of regulation, I think, is it's an uphill battle. There's there's. You're going to have some have to have some really creative lawyering and and creative legislate state legislators who come up with laws that can kind of pass this extremely high threshold. You know what's constitutional, what's unconstitutional. But there are there are many advocacy organizations that are incredibly effective. Moms Demand Action is one of them. There, they had some great laws, great model state laws, and you know anybody who's interested in getting involved in the fight should out to them. There are Moms Demand Action. I think it's momsdemandaction.org. And even if you're not a mom, they're, they're, they're much broader than that. But they, they were started following Sandy Book. And they're a wonderful advocacy organization. Yeah. And so with you, those meetings myself. Yeah. So, so with that, I will hand it over to Andre. Thank you. Well, I, it's funny you say that about Moms Demand Action because that's something that I, I'll also bring up a little bit. Okay. So anyway, I just, I guess I wanted to give you guys a, my warning is that you guys know how sensitive I am. So I might start crying when I talk about school shootings because they very, find them very upsetting as anybody would. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth a cry. Mm-hmm. So I got to even talking about it. Maybe you want to cry, but I guess you guys know that the Parkland, well, you probably don't know, but 
So like the Partland shooting happened when Zayla was in high school. And like by then she was just, just so terrified, so terrified of a shooting, like a school shooting, that she ended up graduating a semester early just to avoid being in high school. But while she was there, like right after the Parkland happened, her dad, he had some sway at the high school. And so he was able to push them to install these like heavy duty locks on the doors, at least of all the, the rooms. So I think like someone couldn't get in. Do you know what I mean? Like they couldn't force yeah. it. I think that's what they were. So I, but I, you know, like I'm sure if you were a really crafty shooter, you could figure a way around that. But I, I think that that was at least a little bit of comfort to her. So she just, yeah, I mean, so she finished up, but, you know, she was just terrified. And it's always concerned me. I guess one thing, I didn't put this in here, but one thing is like she saw like a psychologist when she was little because she was anxious. And one of the things she was anxious about, which I didn't even know, was the school shootings. And the psychologist would ask her to kind of like size it, right? Like, what's the likelihood of this happening? Was it yeah. really likely or just maybe a little bit likely? And, you know, the older she got, the less I could I could mm-hmm. say to her that this 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 just doesn't, you know, this will never happen. Right. Right. You, mm-hmm. you know, and like not only that, that it would happen again. I know. And it happens. And and then also, you know, she was at an affluent, pretty much all white high school. And that's, and that's where, where a lot happen. of these happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where a lot yeah. of these happen. And so, you know, it was like very, very hard to reassure her. And so then speaking of affluent schools, I like I'd always I'd always been concerned. But the Nashville shooting like it happened in March and it was that, you know, like an affluent school, private school, I think. You know, Christian and, school, isn't it? Yeah. It was a Christian school. Yep. And and so, you know, three nine year olds and four adults, including the shooter, were just you know, snuffed out. And I was like, I, I just, I really, I realized that for me, gun violence had superseded abortion as like my top issue, which is huge. Cause you guys know, yeah. like it's been my top issue for like 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, and I, and it's not like I don't care about it anymore. It's just that like, it's very complicated. It can be like morally ambiguous for some people. There's nothing morally ambiguous. No about keeping people from shooting up other people. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, right. that's just... Nobody thinks it's okay. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. So, and then, so, so there, there's that. And then Rick Scott, right after the Nash, Nashville thing happened, sent out this fucking tweet that just blew my fucking mind. He wrote, we need to consider an automatic death penalty for school shooters. Life in prison is not enough for the deranged monsters who go into our schools to kill innocent kids and educators. And I was like, you know, I mean, I was pissed off because that shooter was dead. The right. shooter was Nine already dead. Yeah. at the end yeah. of it. Fifth, like, I looked it up. About 50% have already received the death penalty that very day, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so... I was like, so who cares? But more than that, I was just like, there's something wrong with this. And and so I yeah, I kept thinking, you know, I'm like, and I do for business, for work, you know, I do a lot of process engineering. And so I started mapping out the process in my head. And I was like, okay, a person wants to shoot a gun. They get a gun. 
they shoot the gun. They get good at shooting the gun. And at some point, I don't know, maybe it was beforehand, they decide to kill people. And then they decide to shoot up a school. And then they shoot up a school. And then someone calls 911. And then police come and kill the killer. And so I was like, so I asked myself, like, what, what is wrong with his logic? Like, why does giving someone the death penalty not really matter? And so, like, what assumption was he making? So I'm just going to put that out for you guys. Yeah. Like, well, what is can it I just say the assumption of these people that always talk about the death penalty is they think there's going to be some sort of deterrent for, for people to not commit certain crimes. Right. And we've, there's been a lot of research. I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but I've heard plenty of news stories about it. It doesn't work. Like it does not deter not people. To I mean, have, ha- death, have they have penalty. they never heard the phrase "suicide by cop"? Right? Are they right. not aware of how many people put themselves in front of law enforcement with a weapon in with because they don't want to have to kill themselves? They want somebody else to have to do it. Right? They're yeah. ready to die. They go <laughs> like into they that. They could care less whether you tell them they're going to get the death penalty. Right? Yeah, exactly. Not going to stop them. Yeah. Stupid. So so what like when I came to was this idea that like what his assumption is that we could not we couldn't do anything until after a killing right like he's right. assuming that the, these people are going to be dead and he's not thinking at all about prevention and that and that's what and I, that's what I was really i was like i can't in that and it brought me like to this other kind of idea that gun advocates have about like arming teachers and administrators <laughs> so they can stop a shooter so like, how does a teacher know that there's a school shooter in the building? Like, how would you figure that out? Right. Now I'm asking you guys. Oh, well, probably, I mean, you would probably hear somebody, the shooting, right? The shooting. Yes. Or they've, yeah. they've done, apparently not, there's a lot of, they do like a PA saying, saying like, there's some sort of word or something that they'll say over the PA system so that they know that to go into lockdown. Exactly. And why are they going into the lockdown mode? Because the fucking shooter is there. Right. Right. They have not, they haven't committed, you know, they haven't prevented anything. You know, right. I mean, like, I'm just sitting here thinking, I was like, okay, well, you know, the teacher finds out they have to react. I mean, it's going to take a while to react anyway. You're not used to hearing right. gunfire. And you're right. Well, and the other, this, I don't know if this is has to do with like where you're going with this. And I'm sorry for interrupting, but I just know that my t- children's school district, they have put in millions of dollars in changing and doing more construction on the entrance of these schools. In fact, the high school used to be this like open campus model that they, I mean, it needed to be updated anyway, but, you know, they've totally like added the buildings are all going to be connected. There's going to be a secure entrance. All the elementary schools and middle schools over the past like five years have all gotten these like there's like almost like a bulletproof area before you get into the reception area of every school. I don't know if it's really bulletproof, but when you stand in there and you're like, because I've had to like drop off stuff for my kids that have forgotten stuff during school. Well, there's, there's an airlock. There's like, yeah, you, there's like, a place where they there. have you, they have you isolated before they right. let you in, before they buzz you in. Exactly. So it's just like, and it's, and it's, I'm glad. I'm so happy that they're spending money doing that. At the same time, it's upsetting because I'm sure there's plenty of other things they could be spending money on. But no, we have to spend money on this stuff because everybody can go get a gun. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just my yeah. thing. Sorry. No, I mean, and I do kind of get to that. So, so like just following up with the teacher scenario, teacher is armed scenario. 
someone's going to die because teachers going to find out after people are dead. Yeah. So, so then I was talking to someone about Sandy Hook, you know, and they just started spewing all of the things that we can do to protect kids like at school without changing gun laws. And he was like, like the administrators could have a better control of who can get into the school and they can have protective glass and they can have this and that. And I said, Sandy Hook had all of that. They had protective glass. And you know what? That motherfucker had bullets that were so, so, you know, could penetrate it. You know? It's like, mm-hmm. and so that, like, you know, it shut this guy up. But then I was like, what are we going to do? Like, literally what you were just talking about is like a prison. It's like we're sending our kids to yeah. prison. I mean, yeah. what, are we going to put a razor wire? Are we going to electrify the fences? I mean, like, what? You know, are we going to break up the fucking windows? I mean, like, what? I mean, I just, I mean, maybe we'll put some turrets up. Turrets up and the that- guards, right? right? Why not? It, like, blows my mind the way people think about this. Placing the responsibility on the school district. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just such a cop out. Oh, and all the teachers are supposed to have guns too, but we can't we can't trust teachers with books, but we can trust them with guns. But that's all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> we don't have all night. So so anyway, like I really at that point I realized I was I was like I've got to do something about this, and so. But, you know, as you guys know, I live in Texas <laughs> and people like are, they're not giving up their guns. I mean, even trying is just completely futile. And so, like, I, th- I was like, you know, if I tried to take someone's gun away, I would get shot. So that's out of that's not going to that's not going to work. And just going along with what Carrie had said in 2021, the legislature passed a law to allow people to carry handguns. In a holster without a permit. The Texas uh, legislature, correct? Yes, Texas. Did I say something else? No, I just was clarifying. Oh, thank you. Yes. So, you know, to sh- so basically, though, you have to share your holster so people know you have it. Oh, <laughs> great. It's so much more comforting to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, well, I'm from Pennsylvania. It's just weird. I mean, it's weird to walk in the grocery store and people have, people have a sidearm. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, in, oh, well, yeah. in St. Louis, they could if they wanted to, but the grocery stores have big signs that say, no, you're not allowed to have a gun in the store. No, it's it disturbing like... to me that they have to have those signs. That's bad enough. Well, but now the guns are worse and it's weird. <laughs> it's just weird to see in a grocery store. So no kidding. So, OK, so back to getting rid of kids in Texas. So obviously it's not practical. I I did find some stats that the National Shooting Sports Foundation has estimated that there are over 24 million AR-15s and I'm... similar rifles in the United States. And I couldn't find... Do you want to say something? I heard some reactions there. <laughs> it just seems like an awful lot of... Just assault rifles. I mean, that just seems like an awful lot. Just the assault rifles. Yes, just the assault rifles. It's a... What? I mean, are we under attack or does the state militia need to be called up? I mean, why do we need all these guns? I don't know. Protection. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's varmints. There's varmints that need shooting. And I mean, they're definitely not going to survive an AR-15. No. No, no one shoot does. A, shoot a bunny into pieces. Exactly. So anyway, so I couldn't find a statistic that like whittles the number of guns in Texas down to, you know, AR-15s. 
Yeah. But I did, but estimated that there are over a million guns in Texas. And for in perspective, the next closest state is Florida. And they have half huh. a million. They have half a million. That's a surprise. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So Texas has twice as many as Florida. Yeah. Oh. It's God, no wonder it, this is just a scary place to live. <laughs> I maintain get a great day. I that feel perfectly nuts. well perfect, protected. <laughs> so back to what Carrie said, like I did find the volunteer organizing organization, the moms take action. And they really demand are action. demand action. Yeah, demand action. Thank you guys for helping me here. <laughs> so anyway, so they had a few ideas for laws that I think I do think we could get happen here. Yeah. It would take it would take time and energy, but I, I think it's possible now that there are so many people that have died all well, over the country. There's a huge public groundswell. I mean, if you look at the public, yeah, the public supports more gun regulation. The yeah. public supports an assault weapons ban. Yeah, it's the electeds. And that's the problem. And because they want to keep pressure. their lobbying money. Absolutely. Yeah, I, the pressure to be extreme. So, yeah. Yeah. So well, one yeah. one thing I think we could do, I think we could enact an extreme, like a, an extreme risk law, which is really just a, you know, it's a red flag law. And these laws, they give, they give families and law enforcement the ability to get a civil court order to temporarily prevent a person from accessing guns. These Apparently, these laws have actually really worked for law enforcement in cases where a person, they pose a risk to a school. Yeah. And so, so they can't purchase or access fire, firearms, you know. And so it also includes people who, are, who commit acts of domestic violence. So you basically you just report them and say like I think this person's dangerous and yeah. why and then and then you go from there and then this is going back to the what we we're talking about like how you can't have a force a trigger lock and things like that some there are safe storage laws in some states that <laughs> that require walks <laughs> in that require parents that to actually to lock up their guns and so the kids obviously said the so the kids can't get to them. Which, like, yeah. to me is like a no-brainer. I was like, who right. wants no. their five-year-old getting to the AR-15? I feel like it's once a month. I'm not talking about AR-15s, but I mean, like, once a month in St. Louis, it seems like there's some kid that finds a gun in their parents' home and sh- shoots themselves or somebody else. Yeah, well, I mean, if you were to liken it to something, I mean, you're you're required to put a seatbelt on your kid, right? Right. To keep them safe. Exactly. And, you know, you should get your children vaccinated to keep them safe. So, right. like, certainly you could put your guns in a safe to keep your children safe. Right. And you. They're just and a simple gun law. I mean, yeah. there is like, I did the training. I never actually went to like a community event for moms to be in action. But there's like a simple lock that they give away that keeps a gun safe. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not hard at all. It doesn't take that much time to unlock it if you need it. I'm with you. So, okay. And so then this, I'm going into background checks. So, so like there were three ideas that I thought could be feasible. And so this last one is this background check. I do, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting myself. I think what really has to happen is that some of the, some of our elected officials have to lose people 
in like in these shootings. So that's sadly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the background checks. So like right now, a certified gun dealer who's selling a gun has to run background background checks on their the folks that they're selling to to make sure like convicted felons and domestic abusers don't get them. And then, but a non-licensed seller, they can sell gun shows and online to anyone. Oh yeah, to anyone. Yeah. No, yeah, wasn't that the big thing with Columbine? They were like going to get rid of that loophole. No, that's gun how show, those kids gun shows, got those guns. Gun show is, loophole. Gun shows are not going away. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. They, I mean, away. it's just sad. They talked about getting rid of that. And that was what, 2000, 2001? Nothing. Well, so the loop, obviously, it's a loophole. It's actually a loophole in the federal law. And in every town survey in 2015 showed that 22% of gun buyers did not get a background check. That's a quarter. Yeah. It's almost right. a quarter of them are not background checked. Yeah. And those terrifying. who admitted it. I believe, that. I believe those that. who admitted it. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so like I said, like, I feel like those could be potentially feasible. I, I think in Texas, I'm not saying like next year, but right. you could definitely push those and get them because you're not keeping people from like i said like you're not keeping people from having guns so you don't have the manufacturers like in fact the manufacturers might support it like there's no reason not to support these things but especially if they can just go into the business of making trigger locks you know yeah exactly and safe safe boxes yeah so you're good point good point we should point that out to them so not only can (laughs) you manufacture your guns you can manufacture stuff to make your guns safe Right. There you go. We, the four of us, just set up a meeting with some gun companies. And no, Smith and Wesson, we're coming for you. All right. So anyway, I guess this is my last thought on this. It was like, I started thinking about who, what, who has done something like this very effectively? Like who, well, no, we're like, think of like, they've been going at it for decades. But you guys are going to guess this really fast. And, and they, ha- it's basically a single issue that's been incredibly effective at getting more and more restrictions passed over the last 50 years. Oh, the pro-life thing. Yeah. Yes. Those motherfuckers. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but, but, so everybody so like, needs to become a one-issue voter. No, I mean, but they've gotten their, they've gotten their judges passed. They've gotten their, yeah, they, they had a great ground, ground game. And of course, we were just stuck, stuck holding the bag. Yeah. Well, we could have stepped up our game. But anyway. We we didn't, and so we should have. I, yeah, we should have. Yeah, like anyway. So I've been thinking, like I've been thinking, like what are the things that they did? Like what are some of the things they did, and what can we adopt that they did? You know, and I was like to get things done, and I was thinking about how I remember when I was in high school, I was at I was at church or something, and someone came in with a like an anti-abortion kind of poster with you know showing like a late-term abortion. And, and it was very, very upsetting. And I was like, mm-hmm. maybe we need to show some people that. Like, maybe we need to show people what it looks like to have a five-year-old ripped in half by an AR-15. Like, that mm-hmm. might cause, that might, I mean, because right now, what do we get? We get their pretty little headshots from when they were in school. And how, how much of an effect does that have? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It, it's the, the thought of 22 mil- murdered children doesn't spur people to make change that yeah, was I know. the biggest disappointing part so far the gun move or i should say the gun regulation movement it is that 
after that, when it seemed like there was just this kind of boundless goodwill towards, you know, making some changes, I mean, even Trump was on board. Yeah. And, and yeah. then just poof. Yeah. yeah. Fumbled. I don't know if it's the deniers. They think these people, it's all actors and it's not real. I mean, are there that many? No, there, it, it no has I don't nothing, think there are that many people like that. It has nothing to do with the destruction that the guns cause. It has, it, I mean, to people who are, let's see, I guess pro guns, I don't, I don't know, pro guns, let's say it, it's all about the right to own it. It doesn't matter what you do with it. It's about this is your right to own it. I mean, if only there was like another right, let's say, oh, maybe if we didn't regulate the right to an abortion, like, didn't regulate the right to guns, there would be some parity. Uh, yeah, I know. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's not, I, they don't care, but the, clearly the destruction doesn't matter. It's just the right. You know, I mean, it's but they, I don't know, like they don't see it as destruction. I mean, think about like Vietnam, like people started really turning against Vietnam when, you know, they started seeing the carnage. Right? Yeah. yeah. The bodies that came back. The bodies, but the pictures that the press took. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Me? What I did, I did not do nothing to prepare. I prepared. <laughs> That's separate. But I was, a, I was a little concerned that we were all going to be on the same side and what kind of discussion happens when we're all on the same side. Well, so I spent a little quality time going through the posts from the people I know from the various parts of my life who are currently avidly supporters of guns and yeah any number of other things and, like and for all all kinds of different reasons like libertarians you know like i recently saw someone that we all know who is a very reasonable human who mentioned that she and her husband have guns in the house because he's concerned about you know natural disaster and something and needing them afterwards mm. you know like which was a good reminder to me that like you know not there there is middle ground on this issue I feel oh, like sure. like so many like so many things in America, it's turned into like this just wildly disparate like two ends who are just never going to find any way to the middle. Yeah. So it was yeah. you know I spent a little time reading the people who are way over on the other side, and that was disturbing at best. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think that one of the things that struck me is how many of the people I know who really are adamant about guns and having lots of guns and carrying their guns all the time choose to homeschool their children. Well, and it's just a general distrust of government. Well, well it's a general distrust of like America in general, even though they're yeah. here and they're very passionate about being Americans. They're like very standoffish to the pretty much the entire world. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's this Which idea is, of like, at just no regulation period yeah right so i spent a little time reading about that and that was crazy and interesting and disturbing all at the same time and then the other thing the other thing i wanted to bring up was carrie when we had talked about this before carrie had mentioned what i think is probably the best gun control idea i've ever heard so i'm going to ask her to share it because we hasn't come up yet about the the liability insurance. Yeah, it was when I was working for Frankel, I was we were looking at, you know, just some reasonable, quote unquote, that gun legislation that, that maybe we could take a look at, work on. And, and one model legislation is it's a liability provision where you can buy as many guns as you want and you but you have to also buy liability insurance, just like you do with your car. 
So if an accident occurs, I mean, as we know that we can't sue the gun manufacturers, there is some compensation to the survivors, the family. And, and, you know, I, I think that that is very reasonable and it's not regulating. You're, I think that's super duper reasonable. I think yeah, that's, I I think that's the angle for, to take. One of the reasons my husband sells insurance for a living. So that's great. There's <laughs> more insurance he can sell. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's it's just, I I mean, once they get the, if they ever, if they got the insurance companies on board, then, you know, then it's a battle between the gun lobby and the insurance. That's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's a good, that's a good, you know, they're, they're, they're at least well like matched. So, yeah. But, or resource, I should say. But yeah, I mean, at, at some level, I, we do, and, you know, our, the liberals, we have to accept that it is, it, it, it's a right to own a gun. And so we have to work within that frame framework. They're not going yeah. away. Yeah. They're not going away. Well, that was the other thing I was thinking about. And you, Drea, you made me think about this when you were talking about kind of the looking at the process. And it's like, so why do people, why do so many people feel like they need to have all these guns? Yeah. Right. It's like they they don't feel safe. So how do we help? Like, so what do we what do we need to change I, to help people feel safe so they don't feel like they need to bring a gun to the grocery store? So right. can I just so this is a, <laughs> I hate to bring up this horrible man again. But when I was listening to that Murdoch trial, that's what really got me is like he had so many guns at his hunting lodge. And I did. And it was like. Just this like hobby, you know, of having all these different guns. And I think those are a lot of. I, I definitely no, people know people hunt, like that. It's just this like hobby and they've got money to spend and they just buy all these guns. Yeah, and they're toys. They're toys, just like their snowmobiles and their fishing boats. And but we're never all that to. stuff. We're not going to stop that. There are always no. going to be that. that right. safe. And, and I don't even know if regulating that may, would make a difference because by and large, people who have those kind of stockpiles and hunting lodges and things like that, they are not gonna they're not the mass shooters they're just not but he still ended up killing his family that's another story but i mean it's, there's a ton of other shit that happened but not right well not that's they just lost a gun they weren't sure what happened to a gun i'm like is this for real or is this just some random defense because are we talking like, about the murdoch you have again? a gun you should she be can't not talk about the murdoch trial of course we're talking about the murdoch trial we are sorry. I was I like cut out you, and then I came back and you were talking about the hunting lodge. It's like, oh, you have friends with the hunting lodge? So a god was missing and then it probably was used as another weapon. But it's like the cons there should be some sort of one off where if a gun disappears, you report it to the cops. Like why wouldn't wouldn't that that should just be wouldn't matter in Texas because they don't have to be registered. Correct. So yeah. right. not Missouri either, but yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's a it's, it's a good nice. idea. It's a good idea. So, Sorry to talk I, I just don't. I, and guns. I mean, I just think that like we need to kind of what Carrie was saying, stick to what could happen, like what we could right. do. And so, and of course, I can go and just be militant on my own and like send these people really okay. awful things, awful stories. We have to we have to focus on the movable down that you know that the people and is polling shows that the vast majority of Americans are in favor of gun regulation of some sort. Yeah. So we just have to find the things that we agree on. Yeah. So, so I don't, I was, I had no plan on bringing this up, but I want to, because I've had gun arguments with people and they bring up that 
I'm some sheltered white girl who I don't know anything about guns and what's my experience with guns. And I'm sorry to bring this up, Carrie, but I had a gun pointed at me, carried it too. And I'm sorry if I don't feel like people should have so many freaking guns in this world. Anyway, sorry. But that's always when I start getting into a debate about guns that pops into my head. So just had to say it. Sorry. That's that. And I like that's one of the things about this whole argument is like it's very intensely emotional on both sides. Yeah. Like we have these people who are terrified that you're going to take their guns away. And then you have these Mm -hmm. people who are like, you know, your daughter's my daughter's high school career because she's terrified that there's going to be a shooting. Right. It's just a lot of like there's just a lot of like fear and upset and emotion. And it's like I really I don't know how you take that out of an equation like this. But boy, it makes it a million times more complex. It does. I think if you can just assure people you're really not going to try to take their guns away. And I really right. am not like it's not no. practical. It's not it's not like my intent. My intent is to stop shootings. It's like to keep guns out of the hands shoot. of bad people. Yeah. Or yeah. Like like and I'm not I mean, because, you know, we were talking about mass shootings, but a lot most, you know, a lot of them are murders of sure. spouses yeah. and, and, you know, right. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how more people die is, you know, just like the gang violence, things like that. Shootings of kids yeah. getting a hold of a gun. Run-of-the-mill domestic violence. Yeah, you know? right. And hopefully some of these laws trying to target domestic abusers will help because yeah. nothing else, it gives law enforcement a tool to arrest, you know? So, and I mean, that's a pretty clear one. Domestic, yeah. you know, you've been convicted of this. You can't have this. Okay, you go to jail. There's not, there's not much wiggle room there. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think there's a lot to do. So we have gone a long time. We have. We have. <laughs> this might be a two-parter. This has been a very interesting night. So oh, I yeah. appreciate you guys humoring me. Yeah. I enjoyed this. This actually was more reminiscent of when we're actually together in person. It's just discussions <laughs> we have. What's the uh-huh. research to back it up? Well, I did want to point out, I just learned it today on the Moms Demand Action website, is that June 3rd is National Gun Violence Awareness Day. Wear orange, everyone. Wear orange. Yeah, that's true. Wear yeah. orange. Yeah. So. Is this going to come out before June 3rd? Oh, I wasn't planning it on it. I think she's talking about the podcast. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the advertising about wear orange. No, I just met this podcast. By the time this goes, <laughs> comes out, June 3rd will be back. Well, I, so this is our happy June 3rd podcast? Well, I wasn't planning on it, but it does seem apropos. It, it does <laughs> line right up. Can I read you guys my favorite quote about guns? Yes. Yes. Because this one, I've loved this one for a long time. My dad used to have somebody in his office who had this up on, on her bulletin board. And it's from Mitch Ratcliffe. And he says, a computer lets you make more mistakes faster than any other invention with the possible exceptions of handguns and tequila. That's true. <laughs> so, like, you know, just something to keep in mind. It's a tool, but boy, it's a tool that, you know, you use it wrong and it disastrous consequences. That's much like a computer. Like, you can really get yourself into a lot of trouble with a yeah, computer. Yeah, you can. You can. A lot of lives just by sitting here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, so. we'll, maybe we'll we'll do an episode on computers. Oh, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Good night. Good night. night. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Best Friends Sharing Interesting Shit. We don't do this for money, but if you'd like to help cover our expenses, 
feel free to contribute to our Patreon page. Just go to Patreon and search Best Friends Sharing Interesting Shit. Donate a buck a month and you'll be helping us to pay for our podcast hosting services and our podcast editing software. And if you like what you heard, give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We drop most Mondays. and You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website, bestfriendssharinginterestingshit.com. We are Carrie, Drea, Lisa, Kathy, and Meigs. This is produced by Drea and Lisa. Thank you so much. We hope to see you again.